Welcome to the Old School Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. This meeting was born online, and it's going to stay that way. That means you can attend live on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 Pacific if you'd like to. Go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. It's now time for me to tell you what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like now, including how and why I stay abstinent today. And my name is Debbie. I am a compulsive overeater. And um, Deborah, thank you for asking me to share. And um, I've known Deborah a very long time, many decades. Um, and if there's anybody here who's new, I want to say welcome. And um, I will tell you my abstinence. Um, I just celebrated 29 years of abstinence on um, September 7th. Totally don't clap for me. Not my doing whatsoever. And that is for real. Um, my abstinence is no sugar or sugar-free desserts and no bread or bread type stuff. So um, like pizza, anything that looks like bread in any regard. So, um, and, and that is about that and coming back are about the only things that I've done perfectly in the last 29 years. And um, I'm just, I am beyond grateful. That's all I can say. Um, I, I'm the oldest of two girls. Um, both my parents and my sister died from effects of this disease. Um, and when I grew up, it was at the dinner table, it was a free for all. Um, it, it was, um, it was an interesting uh, way to grow up because um, we, everything really revolved around food. Anytime I was with my parents, if we were eating breakfast, we were talking about lunch. If we were eating lunch, we were talking about dinner. And, you know, my life was very food centric. And <clears throat> my parents were really wonderful parents. They were very young when they had me. And um, considering what they didn't know, they did an amazing job. Um, so what happened to me wasn't their fault. Let's put it that way. Um, so I was in extreme fear from the earliest time I can remember. Um, I just, I was in fear and I had so much self-loathing. I did not want to be in me. And... Um, so I have like sketchy memories of my childhood because I was either escaping through eating or I was fantasizing about living someplace else. I remember when I was four years old, I thought if I can move to their house, everything will be fine. What four-year-old wants to move? Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, I have known that I've had a problem with food my whole life. Um, and I was extremely confused because both of my parents were overweight and my younger sister was significantly overweight her entire life. When she was little, she was as wide as she was tall. So at home, I was the thin one. But at school, 
I was overweight. So I was truly confused. Um, and paramount to everything was getting my fix because I just, sugar was really important to me. Um, <clears throat> and uh, my dad had a habit. He was, a, he was a wonderful guy. Can't explain why. My father had a habit. If somebody had an accident or there was a fire, he would bring them home for dinner. Why they came, I have no idea. Um, and why he thought that was a good idea, no clue. But um, we, I grew up in the Midwest, so it was a different kind of, you know, thought process than L.A. in 2021. And when he would bring people home unexpectedly, we would sit down to dinner, and my mother had a code, which was FHB, which meant family hold back. So that sort of paints a picture of what it was like when there was no company. It was, you know, it, it vultures, literally, whoever got the food, whoever got there first got it. And um, so we were all overeating and we had to behave when we had company. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm Jewish. And uh, I, my mother told me very early on that Jewish people are not athletic. And for me, that was like, seriously, the best news ever. It was like a pass because I wanted to live from here up. I was miserable in my body. I, you know, we had these little uniforms for gym that was like a short all thing with snaps. <clears throat> and it was, seriously, I think about that. I have PTSD, serious PTSD, because every time I put it on, the snaps would pop and it was horrifying. And I couldn't run. I couldn't do any of the stuff that we were supposed to do at gym. And, you know, I wanted to be the Jewish person that wasn't athletic and go on my merry way. But, you know, they made us go to gym. So um, I, I, from my earliest memory, I started wearing like big clothing because I developed sooner than other girls and I was just trying to hide everything. Um, so I had like a lot of self-loathing and self-obsession from an early time. Um, and things did not get much better in high school. Um, I really dated very sporadically. Um, I was- Five minutes left. Thank you. Um, I was smart, so I did well in school and um, that was what I was doing. Other girls were dating, I was doing school. But at the same time, I was um, a little alcoholic waiting to happen. And I was smoking pot every day, which goes with eating very, very well, in case anybody's wondering. And um, so I was smoking pot in the garage every day before school. And I still somehow or another got away with it and did well. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. When I went to college, it was the same the same stuff. I, my freshman year, I think I gained like 35 pounds. I was a very, very good dieter. I could stop. I just could not stay stopped. And I would like get down to a particular weight. And I would say I was like visiting, 
because I would stay a very short time and then I was back to the races. Um, and, you know, when I first got abstinent, my sponsors on this call, I, call, I did not wear anything with a waistband. I called her from a fitting room at Macy's seriously crying because I was so in terror about trying on jeans because I never had really worn jeans because they were too constricting. And, you know, today I haven't worn jeans a lot in the last two years, but my jeans still fit. And that is a miracle. They fit pretty much the same way they fit two years ago when we were doing different things. Um, so, um, I, I got to OA through AA. Um, I ran into uh, a former neighbor of mine in an AA meeting and she was going to OA. And um, I came for a short time, but then I really came back when I had about a year and a half of sobriety. Um, <clears throat> and my AA sponsor was friendly with Seppi and she said, Seppi's going to be your sponsor. And I said, okay. I, what did I know, right? And she is still my sponsor today, and she is the perfect sponsor for me. And I'm so immensely grateful for her love, her guidance, and um, really, I could cry. Very grateful. And I have to say, I am so grateful to so many of you who were here when I walked in the door. Um, it's, it's just amazing. Um, anyhow, when I first got abstinent, um, I just had such a hard time making that transition, but I was given the gift of abstaining from sugar and sugar-free stuff and the bread and bread type stuff. So my food was like kind of all over the charts aside from eating that stuff. And it, um, it really evened out. And I eat a lot of, Sebi laughs at me because I commit my food. I started by committing my food, didn't want to commit my food um, and probably did that for about five years and then didn't. And then a couple of years later, I, you know, Sebi said, maybe you want to commit your food. And I said, maybe I do not. And that's when I started doing it again. Um, so that brings up an important point, which is, in my old life, I always waited to do something until I felt like it. And I never felt like it. So here I learned that I can feel differently if I do something different. And, you know, that only by taking action can things change. And I'm so grateful for that. So I had to pray on my knees literally for a year and a half for the willingness to exercise I did. I'm telling you, I did nothing. The only time I exercised was when I had a boyfriend, an alcoholic boyfriend, and he would every once in a while say, we're going on the wagon, getting up at six, running around a track, and I would run after him. And that was about the sum total. I think I took a few aerobics classes. So um, I did not know how to do anything. I tried to start running. And I literally had to call somebody and ask her, like, how do you breathe when you're doing this? And she said, just start with three minutes. And that was how I started running. And I don't run any longer, but I ended up 
um, I'm going to say 2008, um, I did my first marathon and, um, then I was able to do a marathon. My sister died of pancreatic cancer. I was able to do another marathon while she was still alive, um, and, and raise money for pancreatic cancer in her name. And I've been doing something to that effect every year since she passed away. But, um, you know, I'm so grateful. I am not the person that does a marathon. I'm not the person that does a marathon of anything, much less exercise. You know, I'm like the flash in the pan, you know, quick in, quick out kind of person. But um, I started several years ago. My knees were kind of bugging me and people suggested that maybe I should stop running. So I um, tried spinning and I really loved it anyway. So I will tell you today, I exercise moderately pretty much every day, which is awesome. six minutes left. Thank you so much. That is also a miracle. The, the only explanation for how you get from somebody who doesn't even want to walk across the floor from my desk to go to the bathroom, that was too far, to somebody that could run a marathon is God. You know, um, because I tried on my own. I tried to do exercise. I tried to diet. I tried a million different diets and I was a success for a minute. Excuse me. Um, And I worked the steps with Seppi um, and we went through, I've never been in how, she's never been in how, but we went through the first three steps by using their first 30 day questions. And they were brilliant because they take you through um, the first three steps using portions of the big book and the 12 and 12, the AA 12 and 12, pardon me, which is like, you know, the mothership literature. And, um, and then the inventory that I did, if I had known in the beginning that what it was, it was 180 questions. You want to talk about a marathon. And I remember sitting on Seppi's couch, reading all this stuff to her and how exhausted she was, poor thing, with all my stuff that I thought was truly earth shattering, that was boring as all get out. In fact, my first inventory that I did in AA, my AA sponsor came over to my house And I was reading the thing that I was never going to tell anybody. And I look over and she's sleeping. That's, that's how exciting and earth shattering my stuff is. Anyway, I, I woke her up and I made her listen to it. Anyhow. um, So the things that I've learned since I've been here, I've learned how to ask for help. I knew how to give directions to people really well, but I did not know how to ask for help. And um, I'm, you know, I'm so grateful that s- someone said to me, like my second or third meeting, if you would only please call me, you will be helping me. And I thought, you know, this poor girl, why does she need me to call her? But, you know, it, it kind of gave me permission because I was going to be helping her as, as well as getting help for myself. And um, that is the truth. 
sponsorship. I sponsor other women and I am so grateful and so fortunate to be able to take other women through the steps. And, um, you know, I, the promises say we will see how our experience can benefit others. And that really has been true for me. Um, you know, in sponsoring other women, I can share things that were difficult for me and hopefully they can be of help to others. And, um, uh, you know, prayer, I'm okay. You know, sometimes I feel connected. Sometimes I don't. And, but what I learned here is to just keep taking the action and that even on the days that I don't feel connected, that if I take the action, then I've got a lot better chance. And I can see looking back at my life, you know, there's a, a question in the big book and it says either God is or he isn't. What is your answer or what is it to be? I don't remember what the question is, but, and, and I can tell you if, if I am posed with that question on without doubt, I know that God is because there are so many things that have happened in my life, that there is absolutely no other explanation. So I was in, um, I was in a business for about 40 years, um, the apparel business, and I was working for a company as the compliance person, and the company was um, doing things that that were diff very difficult for me because other people trusted this company based on me. And, you know, it became clear to me after I tried, beat my head against the wall and tried to change things there that I was not going to be able to stay sober and abstinent if I stayed at that job. And I did not have another job. I did not know what I was going to do, but it was truly a God orchestrated situation where I got angry at the owner. I left because I was, I was very, very upset and I never had done this before. I left for the day and did not know that that was going to be my last day working there. And, um, you know, I was able to leave the job, quit the job, get a severance, which, you know, if you quit a job, generally you do not get a severance. And um, a, an OA friend who I've been friends with for about 15 years knew, had heard me share about, you know, these Nancy. Nancy knows because she heard me share about it for like years. Um, I'll wrap it up. Anyway, the long and the short of it is God gave me a brand new career, a brand new job that is about the best possible job. It's It just gives me the chills. You know, I, if you hear nothing else, I am just immensely grateful for OA. I'm immensely grateful for the life that I've been given and for each of you. So thank you so much.